0: This is the Black Hole Podcast with host Ryan Millsap. With a vision of how real estate could turn into movies and how movies could turn into money, Millsap set out to build the state's largest film complex. After checking that box, Millsap returned to his entrepreneurial roots, where real estate ventures, entertainment opportunities, nonprofit support, and golf course business deals rule the day. What's next for Ryan Millsap? Listen up, and you'll find out. He's the man from Alaska. He's the Seahawks' biggest fan. He looks mean, but he's actually a pretty nice guy. Who is he? He's Chris Ledoux, and he's the man to go for for special effects in film and television. Considered an industry veteran, Ledoux has made Atlanta, Georgia his company headquarters, Crafty apes It's an international company with offices all over North America. I've hosted Chris before, and we've dabbled in almost every topic, but today we're going to hit on AI, the writer's strike, and the Seahawks' upcoming season. Let's welcome Chris Ledoux. Today on the Black Hall Podcast, we have Chris Ledoux. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you. So your primary business is shaping the raw material of movies into final products. Is that a fair way to describe it? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, it's um, transitioning from
1: that. But yeah, it's traditionally been my...
0: Oh, transitioning. Uh, yeah. What, uh, so tell me what you guys have been doing and what you're going to do going forward. Uh, About a little over a year ago, I jumped heavy into the AI world, and I saw,
1: you know, it was pretty obvious it was coming, and it hadn't quite hit mainstream yet, but it started hitting a lot of the areas, you know, we'd hang out in, and, uh, you know, you could see what was happening, so I stopped uh, doing my traditional, I stopped going on set, all that stuff, and I just full-on switched over to uh, educating myself, and I've been there ever since, and so now I have a number of startups I'm, uh, you know, involved with now and advising on other companies right now, because that's, uh, seems obvious now, but that's where it's, you know, shifting to
0: tell me more. So tell me more about what you saw happening and what you started to develop around what you saw.
1: The, uh, you know, if you think of, it's become this magic buzzword to everyone, but if you think of, uh, Artificial intelligence is advanced pattern recognition. And you start thinking about how your own brain works. And then you start thinking about in a given task where you actually spend your, your time if you were to put it up as a pie chart. And you think of how much of that could be automated, you know, how much of that could be fed into some kind of system. And it starts to feel pretty obvious that there's all these patterns going on all around us, you know, at different scales, you know, you know, fractally, and that. Finding a way to link those patterns actually should not be that difficult. you know in, in, it's difficult, but it's like we should be there. And it turns out we are there. It's just a matter of uh, compute power and then a number of other things so you can interface with it properly. And in, in, once you hit a certain critical mass, then it becomes incredibly powerful. You know you cross the Rubicon, so to speak, and we saw that with, you know, going from like ChadGBT or GBT2 to three to four, um, we saw these incredible leaps. And now you're, you know, you saw proper generalization, as you might say. And so now it actually is at least, you know, people are always, humans have a tendency to anthropomorphize shit, you know, quite, quite frankly. Um, but uh, it's reached the point where it's, uh, it certainly crossed some kind of gate, and now it's out in the open. And now you realize how powerful and useful that is. And I think, um, you know, for guys like me and you, our neuroplastic, you know we could take some DMT and mushrooms, but our neuroplasticity is still going to be certain stiffness. So it's really, it'll hit me sometimes what it can do that no one's thought of yet because it just hasn't been around yet, but you'll see a younger people actually really coming up with some incredible ways to do it. And, uh, but stuff hits me all the time where I'm like, Oh yeah, that task that used to take forever. If I just do this, now I had this and now that's going to save 99% of time, you know, and you can apply it to so many things. And, uh, so for in the movie business, I think about process diagram and optimization, and I think about adjusting the entire process. And if you look at these different structures and the problems they were designed to solve at one point, and given these certain advances, those problems will no longer exist. So why should, you know, these, these certain structures should no longer exist. And um, take offline editing. That's a stupid example, but why does that exist given GPU power right now? shouldn't exist. It doesn't solve an actual problem anymore. And... I think there's actually a lot of ways to up in the entire framework. I think the way movies are made is actually backwards. I, I would actually, what I'm trying to create right now is tools that where you can parse the screenplay and then automatically uh, build the entire thing in a game engine, because the edit should actually be done before you shoot, in my opinion.
0: Wait, so you're wanting to build the game engine well, you take world. an existing
1: game engine, like Unreal, Unity, whatever, right, right. and use an LLM. Parse the screenplay. Train a model on the cut cadence. Let's, and start, let's, st-
0: let's stop with parse the screenplay. Parse Sorry, the screenplay. Read the by.
1: screenplay. Read the uh, scenes. You mm-hmm. know.
0: And so, separate it by scenes that you think you can do digitally. Oh yeah, that's easy. It's just that's just that's just regex. That's just
1: that's just logic. But actually, understanding the context of the language, mm-hmm. so that if it says, you know, if Ryan sees Sarah at the store and they discuss the murder they committed last night. Mm-hmm. You know, we're well beyond the ability for the language to understand that. Now to translate that into a visual model now, mm-hmm. where it's now you have to feed it a logic on the history of uh shot scales. Okay, establishing shot two shot, you know, shoulder shot and the emotional motivation for each of those. So it's kind of like alchemy in that sense. Like this is designed to evoke this emotion. And if you link all that together, now you have a framework. Cause I would, you know, in visual effects, one of the you're in a unique position because we're one of the only departments on from the very start to the very end. So I'd see this uh, telephone game take place where you'd be with this director and they, you know, at the start they're bright eyed and full of hope the first day of school. And they have this vision they tell you about. And by the end of it, it's gone on this telephone game spaghetti you know, traverse. And you think about why is that? And it's like, well, unless you have the ability to give people a shared vision of what you're doing, then the crew doesn't know it's there. And so it ends up, if you think in a pure optimization system, every frame you shoot that is not in the movie is technically a waste. So how do you shrink that down? You know, and I think given the strike, one of the things I see is that you got the streamers running a Silicon Valley growth model, which means they don't have to profit, but that doesn't work. And then you have the proletariat going, we need more money. But there is no more money. And so what do you do? You have to figure in the consumer going, I will not accept lower quality products than what you've already given me. You've already given me the Turkish delight, taking me this far. You cannot take it back. And so what do you do? You have to make quality stuff, same quality or better, for cheaper. How do you do it? You make the movie and prep. You plan like every other industry in the world.
0: Hmm. And so, okay, so then, then walk me through where AI, AI fits into that. What what are all the things you think AI is going to be able to do? Well, language
1: models to understand the script, to be able to translate it right there. Um, Classic optimization, we'll call it money ball for movies. Classic optimization techniques, which some of this is a mixture of just plain old statistics and uh, machine learning. But knowing uh, there's certain departments, like for example, if I read a scene and I say, Ryan, you'd say you're going to make a movie. And I read the scene, you say, how many people am I going to need for the crew here? I'm going to say you are going to need two hair people, three of those, you know, that's perfect for machine learning to go capture is to know based on that scene, what is the action? Is there special effects? Is there props? Is there vehicles? And because we're developing contextual understanding, that's what, you know, if anyone who's who's used ChatGPT, um, it's at least giving you the appearance of contextual understanding. Um, That's enough. And if you fine tune it from there and feed it with um, extra information on your particular field, which is where these things are really valuable. If you, know, if you view that as a generalist model, and then once you learn how to tune it correctly, um, you could tune it on every process of filmmaking. So, and then when you had this whole thing, this whole script put together with these scenes, it's a pretty, uh, it's, for most things it's hard, but for machine learning, it's pretty easy. If I said a classic uh, solver equation, what is the best way to put all this together? The classic na- knapsack equation. And you know, the knapsack equation being if I have a, a nap, if I'm going to rob a house and I have to fill this knapsack with tools, what are the most efficient tools to put in the knapsack to maximize efficiency? And there's a lot of variations of that, but it's a classic solver issue. And um, machine learning is perfect for that. Absolutely perfect. So and, you know. and
0: and so what you've been working on the, the last year is starting to try to create the solutions using it? Well, I
1: first had to educate myself. I didn't know anything. I mean, I'm still, a, I would call it a noob in a lot of ways. I
0: didn't know. I, you know. I knew this
1: machine learning stuff was out there, but, you know, I was playing with precursors to stable diffusion called like disco diffusion and stuff like that. And, you know, mid journey first came out, I was on that, but the actual fundamentals of, uh, machine learning, I wasn't formally trained in it. So I was having to play catch up and, you know, pick up what I can. And, uh, I still am. There's so much stuff happening right now that every day, you know, even driving here, I was just listening to YouTube videos. I'm not watching, just listening to some, you know, 15-year-old kid in Australia teach me about some crazy
0: thing. So, what's he teaching? He was teaching you about how to code this stuff or?
1: Oh, that was actually a conceptual approach on building a vector knowledge base, your private GPT's knowledge bases for your own material because that's more so than movies. What I really want to build is truly personalized AI because I think that's where it becomes useful. If you, for example, if you gave me, you gave a computer all your emails, your telegram, your signal, your text, your phone, you gave it all that. It's going to start to actually, and you look, it looks at all the communication from those people and you you run what's called embeddings on it, which is just sort of a mathematical uh, clustering of it. It's going to have a pretty good map of your life. It's going to have pretty good context. And that's when it becomes truly useful because that's when you could actually set it off and say, Because I think most people, they get caught up in short term, so they don't... You know, if you imagine there's one commodity in your life, and that's time. It's the only thing any of us have. So everything's a derivative of that. So if I said, you know, because you're about, what, 45, 44?
0: That's nice of you, 48.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Oh, so, okay. So you got probably about anywhere from 20 to 40 years left,
0: most likely. I mean, hopefully. It just depends. It depends. Every day day
1: is a gift. Yeah, but in theory that's the commodity in the in,
0: in the in the in um, the insurance actuarial tables I probably have like 30 40 years left yeah
1: and those guys are good they don't they more about this stuff than anyone so um they're very realistic they uh, and I said what do you want to do with the rest of your time most people don't think of things that way in that 10,000 foot view and it's uh sometimes you just have to shock them like you know I told my uh, my wife the other day I said you have 3,000 days left with ours with our son before he's 18 and out there you know you know doing drugs and so she, she's like doesn't think of it like that but none of us do you know and my 16 year old I said you know I was like I have 100 weeks left with him and there's these ways to sort of get out of the short-term thinking and then help people set goals and if I said if you have a thousand here's a thousand dollars what's the fastest way to turn it into ten thousand would say, is this
0: your wife who walked in yeah welcome thank you what's your name Genevieve Genevieve what a beautiful name Now, um, you work in the entertainment industry as well. I do. And what do you do?
2: I am a creative producer and a content creator. Hmm.
0: Tell me about being a creative producer.
2: My realm is the kids world. So kids content. Um, I've been doing that for about 15 years. I always told stories as a kid and wanted to keep doing that. So that's what I do. I worked on some shows. Um, one was called tumble leaf on Amazon and, uh, that got me some clout because we got some Emmys, and um, since we moved to Atlanta, just been developing my own stuff. Finally, instead of for other people, which has been a blast. And right now, I'm creating a metaverse for kids and all the stuff that goes along with that. And I couldn't have done it without AI.
0: <laughs> I love this. All right, so a couple steps back, um, how do you how do you like? Well, where'd you come from, and what, how do you like Atlanta?
2: I like grew up in the Valley. I'm a total Valley girl. So San Fernando Valley, um, was there for many, many years and met this guy over here. And he said, I think we should roll to Atlanta for a while. I think there's some stuff going on there. And I went, oh, I don't know. know, I've been in California my whole life and, uh, we took the leap and I'm so glad we did. Cause now I'm like very firmly planted here and I love it. I would never go back
0: I to know. LA. So I'm i I'm a Californian. Okay. I moved here 10 years ago
2: nine years for us. So. Explain
0: to people why Atlanta and maybe the great and Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. Why it's so wonderful for Californians.
2: I'm not going to say the traffic because it's about equal.
0: <laughs> I think LA traffic still worse, <clears throat> but Yeah,
2: it is, it is. It depends on where you're going. Um, I feel like the connections I've made are less surface. They go a little deeper. Um, I like the trees and I feel like the more the, the more oxygen people are nicer or something. Um, I feel like there's less uh, trying to prove who you are. LA is a lot of like this is what I do, and here it's like this is what who I am. Hmm. Um, those
0: are those are like really deep cultural questions.
2: They are, they are, and I don't like I don't like saying this is you know it, for me it's just been um, I've been raising my kids here, which I didn't do in LA. In LA, it was more of a rat race, hustle and grind, <clears throat> and I've um here I've been able to do both easier than I'll, I see my friends in LA it's just even getting into a preschool takes like 3 years or something
0: <laughs> yeah de- <laughs> there's definitely not as much of a rat race yeah yeah what about just other logistical things about like um like what part of town do you guys live in
2: we live in smyrna
0: oh smyrna we were talking about i was talking to some guys about smyrna I called earlier. smyrna smyrna yeah. and mining
2: uh-huh Smynings. <laughs> right
0: and um and we were talking about the origin of the name smyrna
2: it's in the bible right, right. yeah
0: it's from anatolia it's turkish
2: yeah uh-huh. it's revelations i believe uh-huh. yeah yeah
0: uh-huh yeah which they were like what these are guys who grew up in atlanta like, i
2: was nervous when i saw that after i moved in right before 2020 and i was like hold on <laughs> did i just move to the end of the earth like <laughs> the last place
0: <laughs> well i think in the i think in the book of Reve- Revelation, smyrna is like one of the good churches it's one of the good ones yeah Mm-hmm. So maybe you, you know, maybe you're. You I'm know. Armenian. I don't want to be the Smyrna. It's terrible it's terrible place. <laughs> <laughs> I end up, don't want to be in the Turkish. Element. Yeah, I don't want to be in. <laughs> well, but maybe Smyrna was the good part of Turkey, right? I like think they. they were, I think so. Is loving the loving turk Let's focus. I don't on. think they like us very much. They're like 49ers fans. <laughs> I don't think I knew you're Armenian.
1: Uh, court, just quarter, right? just a quarter, just a quarter, yeah, just a quarter.
2: Just enough that my kids don't sunburn because hmm. <laughs> I'm Scandinavian.
1: <laughs> She's the only other person. So her, her cousins, Americans, played football at Oxford.
2: Mm-hmm. Wait, what? Two of them. Uh-huh. Tell me
0: about that. Yeah, I played football
2: That's at Oxford. That's why you're the yeah, only person. I'm like, he told me how like, football what? at Oxford? She goes, yeah, my cousins. The there. Fowler boys. So Steve and Eric Fowler. Wow. How long ago? Gosh. Oh. They're 10 years older than me. So they're, oh, Steve almost 60. What? Mm-hmm. Big boys, so, big boys. So, My whole family is just Vikings.
0: I, 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 so, I think I was like the fifth year of tackle football at Oxford. So, they would have been maybe like the first year. I think so. So, they might so. only be like 55.
2: I think that, from the stories I've heard is they were kind of helping. They started. were, one of the, they were one, kind of the first.
0: God, I would love to talk to them about yeah. this. Yeah. So, you know, I've got, I've, I'm very involved with the football program. Oh, nice. Like we, we built them a, a new field in the university parks last year. Exciting. And they never had a field. They were like playing on. Rug- <laughs> <And> on
2: asphalt. <laughs> well, they were playing on rugby
0: pitches wherever oh, they could find yeah. or whatever. That's tough. But, you know, they, they when I was there, there were only 12 full pad tackle football teams in all of England. Okay. And now there's like 70.
2: One of them is now a judge, Superior Court judge, and the other one is a developer. So, where do they live? They're in California. I mean, I would le- what part of California? One's Malibu Lake and one's
0: Calabasas. Okay. Well, I'm going to be in LA all of August. Okay. Yeah. So I'd love to go. What a I'd trip. Love to meet them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're you're built a, just like you. You really? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we don't,
1: the thing we don't get along is a, they're all USC people, and I have a deep hatred. I have a deep,
2: have a deep My whole family hatred. is oh, hardcore I went to USC. State,
1: man. Disgusting. <laughs> oh,
0: good.
2: Okay, we're <laughs> You're
0: now the now. outlier. <laughs> we're going to get really. We get along really well. They're they're Vikings from USC. <laughs> yes, they're they're Vikings and Trojans. <laughs> yeah, they're Swedes. or and businessmen. Uh, and, I love it. I yep. love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And what were they doing at Oxford? You know? Are they oh, twins? Gosh. No, they're like Irish twins. Like eighteen months apart.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. less than that. Do you know what they were studying? Well, one one is a lawyer that became a judge, and the other one has been developing big uh, complexes and, I don't know, in the architectural side. But
0: So cool. I can't wait to talk to these guys. Yeah. All right, so um, let's talk a little bit about something that's going on in the industry, obviously, that's giant, which is the strike. And you guys are both in the middle of this. Tell me how each of your businesses are being affected by the strike, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Oh, you know, it's devastating. You you, you you talked some about um, the elements of the strike, but tell me about the business impact first, and then let's circle back on some of the underlying underlying core issues. I mean, it's devastating.
1: I mean, there's uh, furloughs and layoffs, and you know, there's tons of shows delayed right now, and uh, you know, something we started doing, which is actually a surprisingly hard data to get a hold of, is if I said list off every viable movie and TV show in the world right now that's not like a tier 0 that database doesn't exist. You have to go pay for it a bit and put it together yourself and then you know, define it and then when you look at that you see all of a sudden a whole lot of productions moving over to London because there's no, the union power over there is very weak. There's and, no union in London. Yeah. And then you you as a whole so all these productions you can look at the data fly across from North America as this is happening.
0: So right now there's no solidarity in London. Oh, not
1: at no, not at all. No, it's not. Europe and you know, they they broke off from the EU, so then that split. But, you know, the Hollywood unions don't have, you know, there's if you're on a big movie, yeah. You're gonna be a signatory to things like the DGA and things like that. But in terms of uh you know, there's no Teamster power stuff like it's a very different situation. And so you can uh they, they still have to be able to make content. So you're about to see, you know, there'll still be content. You'll see an uptick in unscripted as you did in 2008. You know, all of a sudden we're going to have reality shows on reality shows because it's cheap. But there are still going to be things being made because, you know, there's still indie deals in place with SAG. And Europe's not going anywhere. So they're still making tons of stuff over there. You know, we have, and a lot of our stuff comes from there anyway. So
0: so, so what you're seeing is London's unaffected. In fact, London's benefiting.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's starting to hit them now because some of the places are, some of the actors thing is now, the actors thing is affects everyone. So that's what I was thinking, right? But there are, but their independent shows have waivers and then, you know, there's a lot of British actors that aren't in seg, you know? So it's not, there's, you can find, I mean, you can have really good actors that aren't necessarily in seg after, so, um, and they might have waivers for all sorts of things. There's all sorts of weird caveat rules to this. So, but it's pretty devastating. I mean, most people. You know my friends back in LA when I was there are uh, they're hurting. And I think what's going to happen is is you know I don't think the strikes about what it appears to be about at all. I think it's a restructuring, and I, I don't know for sure, but I will say that let's say you wanted to snap up a, a mini major, this would be the way to do it. <laughs> so you know it's the real target might be. I'm not a conspiracy guy. I'm just saying it's that this the structure they were running, which is this streaming growth model, they never. That's what this whole thing's about. The interest rates have gone up again. Debt is hard to come by. And when someone came and go, how are you going to get, a, what's my ROI on this TV show you made in 2021? They're like, oh, well, we're just trying to grow. You know, and it's the same you know, same problem Uber has. Like if Uber doesn't figure out self-driving cars, they'll die because they've never made a dime. This worked for Amazon when they grew big enough to cover everything that eventually they made a profit and then took over. But if you don't thread it, it you have, eventually you have to make money. And the streaming model doesn't, Work for hollywood because you know that's what a lot of you know, on the surface that's what they're saying this is over is we want access to the streaming data so we know how to value this product so we know what the residual should be for so and so and netflix is obviously like we're not giving you access to that and we're not going to let you define it and but i think it's I mean, netflix makes money but the rest of them have not been warner brother you know his last lives in warner brothers because they're 30 billion in debt Iger got brought back, you know, out of retirement in Disney, and they're slashing stuff left and right, and so it's a debt crisis. Um, and so I don't think it's, a, at least in the negotiation room, there's not a middle ground here right away.
0: You know? Yeah, because you 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 see it all as a corporate restructuring that the that the labor is just uh, one of the pawns, in uh, that.
1: ostensibly. Well, it's just that there's no incentive to negotiate with them.
0: Because right now they don't care about making more content?
1: Well, if you ran an optimization algorithm and said, I need to restructure, and then I I have this other thing over here, what's going to cost me more money? Oh, I have content stocked up for the next how long? I mean, some of these places have content stocked up for a year or two. And because you can turn around and make stuff so fast, as long as you can you, you can theoretically strike up until your content's down to about three months. So they can hold out. If you say, who's going to hold out longer? Someone who has content stocked up for up to three months? Or someone living in Los Angeles who's making X dollars. Right. Who's going to last? Who, who
0: went who suddenly is making no dollars?
1: Who's going to last? And what happened is as the the rank and file, IOTC, visual effects, all these different things. I mean, I have friends hit me up right now. Like, you see the emotional attitude change. At first it's like solidarity, but as as the hierarchy of needs says, now it's now they're going to start eating themselves. And you're seeing it. People are attacking the WGA. You know, my friends are like you know, I can't believe these guys, you know, they're caveating with, you know, I support their cause, but fuck them. (laughs) So it's like, as it affects everyone, you know, it's just like the body attacking a tumor. The Mm -hmm. WGA will start to get attacked by everyone else. And you're already, if you go on the forums and look at people, you're starting to see like a, if you were to run like a sentiment analysis on it, the curve is up. People are starting to attack the, the people that they see, you know, like what's the easiest way to stop this problem? I don't know. Where's the weakest point? Oh, it's It's them, you know. I don't care if that's my buddy or not. Attack, and so that's probably uh, that's why the producers and corporate guys don't. They don't. They literally haven't said anything because they don't have to. They just got to sit there, right? They don't have to fire a shot. It's very uh, art of war,
0: right? They 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 have now created the context for the cannibalization.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's fair, Um, and it's also fair to be empathetic with the fact that they have to restructure. I mean, they, uh, I'm very, I'm empathetic with it too.
1: You know, as much as you can be empathetic with a corporation under its, under its basic definition, you know, um, it's, but they got themselves in this mess. You know, if I, if I take out a loan, I can't pay you back. Is that on me or you? I guess you'd say it's
0: on both of us, but you know, it's. If you take out a loan from me you know not you personally but maybe no, sarah, no, maybe I'm, sarah you yeah. know um so you took out a loan from sarah and i work for you uh yeah and you're not now i can't pay sarah yeah
1: but i should have seen this because they you know they were running a model they couldn't monetize it was crazy i mean the amount of uptick in production in 21 22 is like i mean i would be here in atlanta on set and we'd see people in these positions as department head it'd be like if the nfl had hundred. 50 teams tomorrow and you Mm -hmm. were like that guy's playing tight end like that's that he was at a gas station yesterday and like Mm -hmm. that's the dilution of talent that was happening out there and the amount of money they were throwing at stuff and then you put the uh the covid rules on top of that you get crazy i mean it was very little that money got on the screen
0: yeah
2: well i also kind of feel like if you can't define what the value is of something then how can you define what the value is for the people that are you know what I mean like what an actor should get in residual you, you don't know what the value is of
0: the content. No. Well expand on that. Like what what how is that affecting the business?
2: Well the the when the model changed like you know Matt Damon talks a lot about this. You know you go to the theater or you're watching it on a network or whatever and you can really see what the value is. And now with streaming it's like
0: well, it, it, it's it's not it's private. They haven't they, it's they not don't, directly they don't, yeah.
2: you can't you don't know.
0: Yeah, well let's let's think about a good I think a really good example which is Yellowstone, mm-hmm. the show Yellowstone and what Taylor Sheridan's done with Yellowstone and a bunch of his other spin-outs from that and new shows that have similar themes. I think when Taylor first came over to Paramount, I think they only had like 5 million subscribers to Their streaming platform. Now, to put that in context, you need 10 million subscribers to make a billion dollars in revenue at $9.99 a month. So they were doing like 500 million of Top Line, which I think is about how much they spent on Yellowstone. Yellowstone's <laughs> incredibly expensive. I, was all their, say,
1: I work on all their shows. One the other ones on are show. all Star Trek. We do all those. Incredible, Everything's expensive over there.
0: Right. So but I, it's good. But it's good, right? But I I believe from the time that they signed their big deal with uh, Taylor and let him start running, they've gone from 5 million to like 35 million subscribers. Now at 35 million subscribers, you're doing 3.5 billion in revenue.
2: And Kevin Costner makes 2 billion? No, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, so Taylor, I think, signed a $200 million deal for himself. And I think that's like a five-year deal.
2: And they have merch.
0: <laughs> well, sure, they have merch. Who knows what's going on there? But then I believe uh, they committed. Taylor has a billion dollars a year to make content.
1: So I thought for some reason I think a lot of their subscriptions are part of some package because I, I don't think they have three. Well, if they were f- three. If they were at ten a month, mm-hmm. but that would be three hundred and fifty million a month times twelve. You know, so they'd be at like what four point two billion mm-hmm. annually mm-hmm. but i just looked this up i don't were they, they weren't that high were they i think a lot because a lot of this stuff you know it's like hbo max was inflated because we all get it for free on our iphone and it's like the subscriber base looked way better than it's like stars yeah, yeah the revenue yeah. wasn't there like
0: lionsgate i've spent a lot of time on lionsgate stuff and um and stars is very hard to value because it's so hard to try to figure out what's sticky and what's just people it, getting it for free in some package you must know a lot of books aren't Aren't you launching a platform or something? I was, la- I, I, you know, I've been working really hard to launch a platform, but, um, but I think there's a better opportunity to take something over that's poorly managed.
1: Because I, so I was just looking at this the other day. I did a actually an AI mind map of all the streaming platforms out there, and I was some of it was a bit shocking. You know, like who the hell, curiosity stream? I had no idea they were that size, but not that they're that big. But it's there's Amazon and netflix apple and everybody else and yeah. it's like the fault the long curve tail is tails like <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's like, like an could,
0: l it's l shaped. yeah it's like it's insane and mm-hmm. uh well netflix has 225 million subscribers they do 25 billion plus in revenue they could make if, if they if they had some different strategy i think they could both make better content and make a lot more money right actually a big profit they last year, I think, spent $19 billion on content. Oh, yeah. Just, which, is, which is insane. I mean, I remember uh, the first time I heard about this, you know, the amount they were spending was 2018. They were touring Black Hall. And they said, you know, we'd really like to take all your space next year. And I said, well, I'd, I'd love to give it to you, but I've already leased it. But I'd heard that Netflix was looking all over the world for lots of space. And so I said to him, I said, why do you guys need so much space next year? And they said, well, next year we want to try to make $8 billion in content. I said, wow, that sounds like a lot. How did? How much did you make last year? And they said, $4 billion. And I didn't say this part out loud, but I thought to myself.
2: And there's nothing to watch.
0: So I, said, I said, you made $4 billion in content? <laughs> What the fuck are you wasting <laughs> that money on? I can't find shit to watch on I know. Netflix.
2: And both Apple and Netflix, it's all original content, right? Yeah. Like they haven't, they don't look like they, they, they're. Well,
1: Netflix licenses tons. Some, of them. some. No, no, they, they're the, one of the biggest. They're well, part, well I think I'm managed. thinking for
2: kids stuff. Cause oh, that's where I'm stuff. in. That's my world. And I was looking at where that plays out and, and the kids stuff that they're doing, I'm not going to judge them, but. <laughs> no, I not judge them. I, I mean. Listen, Apple's the craft beer
1: yeah. and Netflix is Bud Light. You know, that's what it is. It's like, you know, it's, that's what it, you know. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think there's a lot. I mean, kids, when you talk about like opportunity, the kids' world is mm-hmm. just massive opportunity.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Tell me about a little bit. Well, let, let, let's, no, let, let's I, talk about I, this. I, I, I talk all the time. She's like,
2: she no, I'm good.
0: Uh, the
1: kids' world like actually isn't, is it's a weird, we just, we just directed something together for the lady who is the inventor of uh, Barney. And it's funny because I've never played in that world, never heard. He did great. Heard hear, her talk about it, and uh, it's a different world. Like I was it's really, world. was really angry at this edit I had the other day. I goes just doesn't work. It's
2: just he's like work. it's it's crap, it's crap. And I was like, actually, this for kid, this is really good. And I'm just <laughs> like, like, this is you know, this is. Gonna... Like, oh,
1: you accidentally did it. Like, what? <laughs> it's like, and uh, it's a different. She could talk. It's it's. I've listened to her talk about it for years because she was on Yo Gabba Gabba and all these things, and mm-hmm. it's a uh, everyone's a weirdo in that world.
2: Well, I mean, like those movies like Get Smoochie and that, sh- you know, it, it's all it's it's very it's a very small pond, you know, and a lot of the uh, people in the industry have been around forever. And when you go to these conventions and stuff like kids screen is a big one. So that's February in Miami. And you see all these content people come out to pitch their shows to Netflix. And, you know, it's like, I got to get with a hot chick on the block and meet Netflix. They're going to love my show. And Netflix is like, who are you like they 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 stick with the same people. But, you know, um, they don't take chances. But you see people that have been pushing the same property for like 25 years trying to get it made. It's a small world. Um, but yeah, it's to see what's happening now. I mean, with YouTube is where I'm really interested in.
0: About like just the the young kids making their own content? Making
2: their own content and making their own choices. Mm. Because it's true.
0: I, my My youngest daughter, 13-year-old has watched a lot of YouTube for years
2: mm-hmm, for years. Yeah. And th- that the interesting thing is when kids have a choice right there constantly, mm-hmm. they don't even finish videos. It's just, Oh, there's another thing. Oh, there's another thing. And that power of choice is very powerful for kids. Mm-hmm. Let's
0: go back to the strike just for a second. Cause yes. so tell me about what's, what's your experience. How's it affecting your business and what's some of your take on what's going on from your perspective?
2: It's a little different for me. I mean, obviously, it's affecting me because it's affecting Chris and 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 in the world that I live in. It's affecting a lot of people. Um, what I did in 2020 was, I mean, I'll just – I started something that's kind of its own island separate from the industry. So it hasn't affected me directly <laughs> except for how it's no, you're, affected. You're in
1: album world-building mode right now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, bigger risk bigger reward i'm hoping mm-hmm. um but uh i started to notice that there was a white space for kids music um you know they go i always joke they go from coco melon to cardi b <laughs> <laughs> because there's nothing in the middle and the stuff that is is like the kids bop stuff and it's a pain point for parents cuz What the parents end up doing is going, well, listen to Rancid or listen to, you know, or or listen to what's on the radio and they jump and they don't have anything of their own in that five to 10 age. So I started to tap into that and figure out what that was. And I looked at those kids. I have two of them um, and saw where they were hanging out and they're hanging out in the game world and they're hanging out on YouTube. So I said, how do I put this music, make this music and put it in those worlds? And so I've been creating kind of a world um, called Star Forest and uh, building it out. And I even, you know, have some animators that came from crafty apes and uh, just building the characters, rigging the puppets, and hopefully dominating the YouTube space when they come out because it's quality and not quantity what we're going for. There's so much just... Low end stuff. So much low end. Coco
1: Melon sold for a billion dollars. I just want to say that. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it was made in my basement.
2: It, it. But you know, that guy was really smart. He just started. He started taking on that family music space, hardcore on 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 YouTube. When ki- parents would look, I want a song about family. He was what popped up. He was smart. He did it first. There's a going to be a thousand, five hundred thousand imitators. You know, of Coco Melon. Right. So it took him 10 years to monetize it.
0: So then do you have a take on how the uh, strike gets resolved, even though it's not really affecting your immediate anymore? I mean, it's affecting your life because you're deep in it with Chris, but just from a pure business side and your Until experience. Until the business with-
2: models get figured out, I don't know. It, like, you know, people got to eat, but I, I don't know. I really don't. I'm not going to pretend. I also to got to a contract next summer yeah, too. Yeah, yeah.
0: They do? Mm-hmm. So this all just starts over. Well, no, I mean, if they solve it with SAG and WJ, then they'll solve it with IATSE. Yeah, we'll just, yeah, hopefully. So then um, the stuff you guys are doing together, how's that work? You're you're running with it, but you'll pull Chris in for technical stuff?
2: Actually, um, no, I haven't pulled him no, in at all. No, she's, uh, oh.
1: no, she, no, she, uh, we talked about it at first, and then I... Uh, I screwed something up because I don't have time to deal with. I was just busy. And so yeah. she, she had me try to direct. I was like, I,
2: I, I, I well, was like, met I was well. half in. He uh, met well. He, He, you um, know, he was, he's running a company. Yeah, and, yeah. and he said, I've got this person. I'm like, I'm named Niche who can help you with the animation side. And uh, they were, you know, from a different country. <laughs> and it was eight months of going do, do, do circus stuff where I'm like, this is not what I want. This is not the quality I want, you know. But all, you know, you know, like any entrepreneur, all these bumps I've hit, of course. I've learned so much and I'm so glad they happened.
0: So where, what's the, what's the timeline? Like when, when we get to see any content or when? Do we Very get to see soon. It? That's exciting. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think that rollout looks like?
2: Well, it's going to be like lead up to the second album. So I've cast, it's basically the gorillas for kids. Hmm. It's a virtual band. And um, I've cast these characters, and uh, one of the, the, the singers was on American Idol. And but there's a mystery behind who they are and stuff. And uh, like the
0: mask singer,
2: kind of. But these these kids don't really care who are behind the virtual characters if you do it right, you know. Um, and they're going to have music videos, and then they're going to start having their own channels on YouTube. And
0: amazing, yeah. Is that is that the basis of then the? Um the alternate reality that you're building
2: they live it i don't know i can't give away the secrets of star forest because mm-hmm. that's a year out before we start revealing these secrets fair fair um but yeah they these characters live in this pl- live in play and they're trying to make a band that's what the story is there are these characters that want to be famous and want to have a band and they learn all this stuff along the way
0: but somehow then the kids are invited into that world oh yeah yeah i love this mm-hmm. very cool
2: mm-hmm
0: and how long, how, when did you start this?
2: I wrote my first song during the height of the pandemic, right? And I was with my kids in the living room. And uh, so, yeah, it started in the first album came out. It's on, It's got almost a million streams on Spotify without any promotion.
0: What's that called?
2: Star Forest.
0: Oh, so this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Everything Star Forest. I was like brand, forest, brand, brand, license.
0: Brand. Uh, but Yeah. Trademarked that I was smart, but about then that. in the Star Forest, there's a band made up of gorillas. No, I oh no, you know, who, you never know, heard of the gorillas. No,
2: the, oh, the, the band friend? The Gorillas. Oh, it's his favorite band. Okay, so it that's an adult animated band. Ah. So when I say gorillas for kids, no, they are anthropomorphized animals, though.
0: Don't you hate that? Those <laughs> moments when you just realize you're so disconnected. <laughs> I'm doing it more and more, though, actually. Oh, my lord, he's like, Oh, <laughs> I'm the same gorillas. age as you, the gorillas so. are my favorite band. I'm like, Oh, lord. Uh oh. I'm in trouble. Yeah. We're the same. Are you a nineteen seventy four vintage?
2: I'm not. I'm a I'm a seventy-six, so oh, I'm close. a little younger than yeah. Close, yeah. Close, I'm definitely close. a Gen X hardcore though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah me well, I don't even know if I am, but I think I probably you are. Am. Yeah. No, you <laughs>
2: totally are. You're like right you're Gen X like the poster child. Mm. Seventy four. Yeah. yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. From a from an age standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know enough of about... no
2: from a grit standpoint too.
0: Ah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yes. Well, my parents beat me growing up. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, that we was locked I mean, me in a basement. You yeah, know? <laughs> I mean, it was no
0: joke. Like, yeah. mean, they, they, you 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 fucked around and found out <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: horror movies and pop rocks. That's how I grew <laughs> yeah, up. <laughs>
0: yeah. I love actually all these little like uh, Gen X vignettes. Uh-huh. The, oh, uh, I love them. And I'll be like, wait, that wasn't normal. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Well, I, this one guy was like, "Why did Gen Xers drink out of the hose? Why wouldn't you just go inside?" And the, we weren't allowed inside. <laughs>
0: That lady's great. Yeah, she's amazing. Uh, she's a, she's the poster child. Yes.
2: So.
0: Um. Okay, so let's let's transition back to Chris for Yes, please. So I can listen to Chris talk. When AI. does your AI, I mean the the stuff he's doing in AI I think is really fascinating. I, when when does some of these new idea companies start rolling out? Um, some of them already have. I'm a part of one called uh, Idealix, which uh, is already
1: on the web and just in just doing its rollout right now and uh and what is that think of it as a uh stock exchange for ideas but not in the illegal sec sense but more of like a let's say you have a let's say let's say your platform mm-hmm. you know and say you have an idea for this or say you're a well-known guy and you say i have a idea for a world i want to build mm-hmm. and i want to sell uh, shares in the rights to that world this is an online exchange where you can do ideas. So it's uh, you know, we have some deals in place with some, you know, very well-known people that'll roll out very soon. And, you know, if you're so-and-so that you're usually associated with acting, and then you're like, oh, I'm releasing an album and here's rights to this. Or, you know, if are not, you know, if you say, Ryan, I bought I bought the rights to I don't know, Ty Cobb's life or something, and I want to sell trademarks and everything that has to do with that in terms of monetization, it's uh you know this this has a big appeal to people that uh, invest using Robinhood and Wall Street bets and that sort of thing um and uh, that that's one thing and then um, the but the other stuff i think you're going to roll out pretty i mean we after this i'll go check in with my machine learning team and um see where we're at cuz we're moving fast because i think the uh and i hate to use the word but during times like this it seem bad it's actually the perfect time for disruption always you know so always that's true we could go make a movie that should cost five million normally for much cheaper and then we demonstrate how we did it that's how you uh shift things so that's the idea that's my entire there's other there's other bigger structures on top of that but i think the entire model is a bit flawed you know i think i actually love the old studio system the old studio system made sense in a lot of ways
0: tell me about what you think the old studio system was
1: well, dumb example. Um, so visual effects, I can't tell you how many times they have us scan New York City. Now, if you're the studio and you're like, from an efficiency standpoint, you should be like, hey, we scanned that 20 years ago. You know, why don't we just use that? Because I'm literally, I still have the models from day after tomorrow. I, was, I didn't even work on that movie, but it had the best scan. So we all just kind of got them. And, and But they keep paying for it. Why every time, say this table, instead of reusing this table for the next thing, they put it in a warehouse. And instead of if you imagine, you know, that if you're, have a, if you're employing people to shoot a movie and something happens that day and they can't work, well, why can't you throw them on some other movie so that everyone's contributing? Um, but that's not the way it worked out. I mean, obviously, there were issues, major issues with the old studio system in terms of exploitation. But in most other businesses, we look at that as just normal business and efficiency.
0: Yeah, what what uh, one business calls exploitation, the other calls Margin.
1: I mean, if you well, if you look at residual, I mean, if you look at what people are fighting over, that's an unheard of system anywhere else. Like, if I if you go sell this house tomorrow, are you supposed to go find the guy who originally built it and give him residuals? Yeah. And what other business does this work? I mean, it's residuals invite corruption. And what it does is also invites people to pay a lot less up front and then do corruption. So I think it'd be better for everyone, especially the middle class of the riders, to get more money up front and do away with the residual system. Because unless, like... A, what other business do you get residuals in? You know,
0: I can't think of one.
1: Like when Sarah's, when Sarah's, you know, dad was doing NFL films. Are the NFL players getting money for the highlight reels of them getting beat up? No, no, no. I mean, where, where do think you get? I
0: think the NFL owns 100 of those rights.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I sell my car, does it go back to the dealership that originally built it or the guy in Korea? No, it's like where does No, this... The only
0: get only people who get residuals are the tax man.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a system that involves envi- more. Uh, structures you put in place for the money to travel the more corruption you're going to find so it's like it invites corruption it's convoluted and you wouldn't need hollywood accounting if you had it It should just why isn't this like every other business well this one happened to go off in here and but because people get addicted to the paradigms we're born into everyone just thinks it's their god-given right to add residuals
0: well if you if you do away with that then really you're left with netflix right
1: well, no, you still have a normal system. You're paying, you just pay it more up front and then you're
0: done. That's what I'm saying. But that's but that that's the Netflix model, is I'll pay you once. Well, I think Netflix
1: was doing what was a logical, rational model. That's why they're the only one making money of all the studios right now. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, you know, because Apple and Amazon, they may be making money, but they don't have to because they sell so much other stuff. So it's kind of like a side gig for them. Yeah. Netflix has to make money. And like they have no choice. They're not selling retail things or you know, so it's they, their model logically makes sense. I pay you this money. You do this service or this product, whatever it is, and we're done. Like every other piece of commerce. Right. And for some reason, when you suggest that, you know, it's it's like, you know, like, oh, my God, what's, you know, listen, bootlicker. And like, you know, <laughs> you're like, well, hold on. It's like every other business. Yeah. But it's like people have a hard time separating themselves, unless they do mushrooms, of separating themselves out of their own paradigms and going, wait a second, this doesn't, you know, but it's a... Uh, that there's a, yeah to me there's an inherent flaw and when you hear say the you know the rank and file talks these are my friends these guys I hang out with like when you listen to them it's like a lot of them there's no there's no there's no question They're like well of course you get residuals but I'm like well are you giving them part of your paycheck to roll the dice because that's how commerce works if I'm gonna take a gamble to get something it means I have to risk something it's like no it's just my God given right it's like what
2: <laughs> can you imagine if you like published a book and sold it and you got the money for the book and then they went to the library and whoever checked it out, you got money.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it's, <laughs> it's I mean, crazy to think about. Well, that's, that's what they're not thinking about with the AI, with the, uh, the actors. And all that. They're not thinking that these computer vision models are going to be incredibly good at finding any time they appear in public and grabbing money for that. Like it's going to catch so much. It's like they could actually monetize this pretty well. And when you they hear a lot of the out. stuff they're angry about, like the stuff Fran Drescher was talking about, like scanning background actors, I'm like, been doing that for 30 years what are you talking about like i know you're fran Drescher, you're not einstein but like it's like we've been doing that for 30 years and it, like so on the forums i'm seeing the vfx guys go, like what? what huh it's like do you guys realize what we do
2: the actors <laughs> liked it we don't have to come in tomorrow
1: <laughs> no it's, it's really wild to me i'm like you guys didn't realize that's what we were doing yeah like what do you think we were doing like we said scan um so it's i find it very i mean i look i have a lot of empathy for all sides you know it's not everyone's getting it and you know i wish there was a way to you know, figure it out faster but it's watching it play out is very uh so
0: it's, it's not fun you know it's like watching soccer i really hate it mm. <laughs> all right let's let's finish with this you hate soccer you love the seahawks mm-hmm. everyone knows this how uh, how do the seahawks look this year
1: i started seven rookies last year giant tariq you know Kenneth the running back and Gino just needs to be average you know and Pete turns out Pete might be the quarterback whisperer we'll see you know let's see Gino never really played that well until last year first time in his career and
2: how old is Pete now is he the oldest coach
1: uh Belichick's older I think, I think he's second oldest Close. okay but yeah he's a. Uh, can't remember but no it looks pretty I mean it looks pretty uh look I'm a Seahawks fan so I'm not too optimistic I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna lower
0: expectations and be happy Oh, I love that. That's actually so Seattle. Um, what, uh, so, But you love Pete Carroll. Uh, yeah. No, he's been, I mean, look, we never had a Super Bowl until Pete. He was Pete, my
2: cousin's so. coach at USC. He I was, was his just his favorite say,
0: coach. I was just going to say, so I was a professor at USC okay. when Pete was the coach. Okay. And Pete had an open practice policy for professors.
2: Oh. So
0: I could just go out and hang out and watch practice anytime I wanted.
2: My cousin, cousin Bobby DeMars, another cousin, played football under Pete at USC.
1: What years was he there?
2: Help me. He was
1: his senior years when he played for Peaks. He played in a Robinson, those
0: other guys, so it was 2001. He was 2001. four years younger than me. Oh, yeah. he was with Carson Palmer. Yeah. He had yeah, three he was, different
2: coaches when he was and there. And
0: Troy Palomalo. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: he mm-hmm. knows Carson real well. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Carson and Troy are close. Troy's a, a you know, longtime friend of mine. Nice. Um, what's his name again? Bobby DeMars. Bobby DeMars. What position did he play? Backup defensive end. Oh, so he's a beast, too. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a beast. He's a very large human. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be – you're built different. <laughs> yeah. When you when yeah. you meet when you meet not you know all professional crazy? athletes because uh, there are some professional athletes that just sort of like normal dudes you're like oh you're, you're just no uh, football players are like a different species but but football he was players you play in the line yeah. offense oh, and defense he They're,
2: was there at film school too wow so he got the John Wayne Award for the athlete with the best grades and the coach before Pete couldn't stand my cousin because he was doing so well in school and he was like well you must not care about football
0: wow. Mm-hmm. What was that guy's name? That
1: was the guy that uh, went, that's the Louisiana guy who went for LSU. Yeah. But that's
0: the guy who got. No. Yeah. yeah. No. Oh, oh, he was the, he was the line coach. He was the assistant coach yeah, under yeah, Pete. Yeah.
2: Under, yeah. You're talking
0: about. Um, Pete wasn't like that.
2: No, Pete was his favorite coach. Yeah, of
0: course. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. one time, one time I brought one of my buddies to uh, USC practice and he brought his two sons who are twin boys. And at the time, I think they were like 10. And we were chatting, and I looked over, and I, I didn't see the boys. I'm like, where'd the boys go? He goes, oh, they're over there playing catch with Pete. Aww. And Pete's having them run routes. That's awesome. It's you know, so Pete Carroll. I mean, Pete. Oh, he's like a friendlier Phil Jackson. Yeah, that's, that's so true. All right, well, um, we're out of time. But we should do this again, because with both of you, we need more time. So maybe we continue it um, at a different point. But thank you for being here. So fun. What a pleasure to meet you. You too. You guys are a dynamic duo. I can't
2: believe I haven't met you.
0: I know, right? Yeah. That shows you how integrated we <laughs> are. With... <laughs> All right. Well, it's been a good podcast. Thank, Thank you. You. Good see you. See you. Bye-bye. Yeah. This has been the Black Hall Podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening.